What's up, everybody? I'm JJ John J. Stramski. And I'm Jason Goff. And if you haven't heard, The Ringer has gone local. I'm bringing the fire. I'm bringing the rain from the Big Apple with my show, New York, New York. And I'm repping Chi-Town with my new show, The Full Go on All Things Chicago. We've got episodes three nights a week with all the reaction to the local teams and guests. Plus bonus episodes around all the big games and storylines. So whether you're uptown, downtown, in the burbs, or a transplant. Make sure you follow New York, New York, and The Full Go on Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. This episode is brought to you by Indeed. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com slash ringer NFL. Just go to indeed.com slash ringer NFL right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer availability and eligibility may vary. It is the Ringer NFL Show, part of the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Kevin Clark. Sports are awesome. I'm joined by Noah Princiati and Ben Solak after the Bucks' last second doink-aided win over the New England Patriots. Uh, Nora, what's going on? That was the loudest doink I've ever heard. Unbelievable doink. Unbelievable uh, doink. Unbelievable I didn't doink. Hear the doink. Was it was it quite an oh, you gotta go, doink? You got to go back and, and listen for the doink. That was okay. a doink, doink heard around the world. Tons to get to. Uh, we have some Cowboys hype. I'll be doing most of it. Nora tries to hype up the Panthers defense within it. Uh, <laughs> uh, we All have right. Kyler Let's let Mur- the people listen have, for themselves later on. We have on. Kyler Murray hype. We have uh, some reasons on why the Ravens beat the Broncos. The Packers, obviously, their big win over the Steelers. But we will start with what we just saw before we started this, which is Bucks 19, Patriots 17. This is the game that we all wanted. I don't know if we all expected it. We all had different expectations coming into this game. Nora, what'd you learn? Well, I just learned that Bill Belichick was asked post-game what it was like going against Tom Brady, and he goes, we went against Tom Brady every day in practice defensively. Oh, just another day. Just another day for BB. In his production meetings, apparently, he said to Chris Collinsworth and Al Michaels, well, it's really upsetting that we're, this is being portrayed as anything other than positive. He left the team. He, he doesn't play for the team anymore. He left the team and there was just like so much beef. Like, I remember being in Denver once and Alex Guerrero like drove away from this like weird Marriott that the Patriots were staying at. In a like a a loaned Aston Martin because of Brady's partnership with them. Yeah. As just like a a screw you because he was banned from traveling with the team at that point. So he was there on his own and staying in a separate hotel. And it's just like, dude, you got beef. There's it's weirdness. okay. There's weird. There are books, as Chris Collins were said. There are books. Okay. Back to the matter at hand. What'd we learn? Well, 
first of all, that was a great game. Like, can we just revel yes. in that for a second? Yes, we can. Because mm-hmm. I think, like, I, I get it. People have Patriots fatigue. They've got Tom Brady fatigue, whatever it is. But, like, isn't there something to be said for communally watching something that a lot of people are going to talk about for a long time, right? Like, doesn't that get you a little excited when you're just, it's a close game. I don't know that we all necessarily thought it was going to be that close. And it just feels like, okay, this is, I can, I can see this coming up 15 years from now or whatever. Like there's going to be some conversation about, oh, that regular season game where Tom Brady went back to new England. Like, remember how loud that doink was? (laughs) (laughs) Do you remember when they kicked at the end? Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I just really that was fun. I mean, the discussion that I want to get into here is sort of how we view um, we'll get into the Bucks certainly, but how we view sort of how Belichick's view yeah. on the Patriots seems like right now, because I think you can kind of call it either way. But big picture, like that was just a lot of fun. Sure. I like I have history with the Patriots. I love watching them. Like uh, there's a lot of intrigue just sort of when you, you know the ins and outs of it a little bit. Yeah. But that was very cool. OK. So completely agree with you. That was amazing. I, I I was nervous, even though I had no dog in that fight. I was snacking a lot. I had a lot yeah. of fruit snacks, strawberry fruit snacks. Um, I had a I had like four cans of, the of seltzer. Game. Yeah, Welch's or Mott's. Uh, I, whatever my wife got. I'm just I'm, I'm a plug and play guy. Is what I would say about that. I, I next, respect that. I respect next, it. Next Scheme snack versatile. up. Next snack. What's the, your favorite the most color? Important, uh, strawberry or cherry. The most important snack is the next snack. Um, but a couple things that we learned about Belichick tonight and how he views it. First of all, Jacoby Myers had more deep attempts than Mac Jones, which is probably important there. Um, Mac Jones at one point tied the franchise record with Tom Brady with 19 straight completions. That was fantastic. Um, and then also, I thought it was interesting. We had talked earlier in the week about what I, about what this defense was going to look like, the Patriots defense against Tom Brady, and what we thought was going to happen was that there'd be a lot of looks because nobody's better at diagnosing play calls than than Tom Brady, and they were going to give him something that not only Brady's never seen, but maybe the Patriots never done before, just because Brady, you just had to keep giving Brady new things. Um, a, we got that. B, uh, according to Next Gen Stats, the Patriots shadowed uh, the top receivers throughout the first half. So Mike Evans had J.C. Jackson on every route in the first half. Uh, Brown against Jonathan Jones, Godwin against Jalen Mills. So they they kept to a routine. Ben Solak, what did you learn tonight? Big picture. Uh, I think the the biggest takeaway for me is I know the there's been a, a tension between how much is the way that the Patriots passing game looks a result of Mac Jones and how much of it is a result of Josh McDaniels, mm-hmm. who deserves like the credit and who deserves the fault in terms of a passing attack that is highly efficient but generally is, is very close to the line of scrimmage, right? Mac Jones in this game uh, had an dot of 5.2. He attempted one pass further than 15 yards down the field. It was intercepted. Uh, it is a very, uh, I don't, I don't want to say death by a thousand paper cuts because we had a, a listener DM me and say I say that too much, but it's a very death by a thousand paper cuts offense. Uh, my impression is that a lot of that is the way that Mac plays. Uh, you see that they have opportunities downfield to test one-on-one coverage. It's just not what he's interested in. He's used to having those bigger downfield windows. Uh, he prefers to take the quick shallow route and let the yak receivers, let the yak tight ends, let the yak running backs do their job. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you saw them struggle to move the ball early and then really settle into some longer scoring drives late. They had the drive that got into scoring territory. They decided to punt on. They had another field goal. They obviously had the drive that ended the game. Like They were put, getting the ball down the field. 
my experience was that McDaniel was doing, was doing a really, really good job just getting Mac into screens, getting Mac into, all right, quick back yep. releases. If this is what you want, yep. I'm going to get it to you. Um, we're going to be able to stay ahead of, ahead of the sticks and move the ball down the field. That's a difficult way to play ball, even when you've got a defense that's as lacking for defensive back personnel as the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were. Even when that defense is going to be as simple in zone coverage as the Buccaneers were, that's still hard to do. Uh, it takes a smart, decisive, willing quarterback and it takes a really, really good play caller. Always like three steps ahead on the chessboard. So I, my biggest takeaway is that McDaniels has a thumb on the pulse for what Mac needs. Mm. Now, would you like for this offense to get the ball down the field more? Yes. Unfortunately, it feels like the main thing they need is like, better receivers to do yeah. that and they just spent a lot of money yeah. uh getting pass catchers but also mac needs to start become comfortable with the idea of all right if i've got contested one-on-one -on -one and there's no safety help that's nfl open down the field i need to start finding some explosives would you guys have kicked at the end Th that, no. that was my yet. next question no. this is the question nora because i want to get to the bucks here in a second but this is my question to you 12 years ago bill belichick had a sunday night where he had a fourth down that essentially yeah. could have won the game and he changed the entire conversation by going forward not getting it Tonight, with a different team, with a different quarterback, with a different offense, he didn't do it. Is Bill Belichick a coward? <laughs> Thank you for that phrasing, Kevin. That makes yeah, this question no, incredibly to easy you. to answer I want to put it to in, a, you. in a nuanced yes. and helpful way. Yeah, and, and also, also, it's a it's a yes or no. I'm not going to allow you to say anything but yes or no. I'm kidding. Go ahead. Is Bill Belichick a coward? No. Did Bill Belichick blink Ooh. at the end there? Ooh. I kind of think, yeah. Ooh. And I get, look, they didn't have a run that produced a positive EPA all night. Like, I, I get the trepidation to go for it. But the it's thing about Nick three. Folk, first of all, it's pouring yep. out there. Mm -hmm. But yep. second of all, they don't kick Nick Folk over 50 yards. Like, right. they just don't do it. He's been there three years, basically. Um, he's, so he's three for four. But the important part is that they just don't have him do it very much. I was so surprised when they kicked there. Yeah. Just because to me that felt like, look, the whole book on your kicker and Bill pays attention to special teams, right? Like he knows what Nick Folk's game is like. And Nick Folk's a pretty good kicker. He's been really steady for them, but the whole thing has been, all right, we're just going to stay within his game. We're not going to try to have him attempt really long kicks. It's going to work out most of the time. They've brought guys in in training camp, these guys with like really big legs. It, they always end up going back to kind of steady Eddie. But you feel like what's built into that is this understanding that, okay, when it's going to be 56 yards in the rain, like we're not doing it. And so I thought it was really, really surprising and an interesting kind of flip side to what Ben was talking about where, yeah, they know that there are some limitations to this offense and they're they're figuring out how to make the best out of it. I think overall, you're really encouraged by that performance. That said, on a couple of the, the there's a third down screen um, where they could have, I'm trying to think of when it was, but it just seemed like um, on, the, on the field goal drive uh, when they ended up kicking, there were a couple of times when it just felt like they were pulling back a little bit and saying mm -hmm. like, I don't know if I fully trust what Mac Jones is going to do here or what the offense as a whole is going to do here. Right. Because they hadn't been running the ball effectively. The Bucks did a really good job of stopping them there. And I think the end of the game is the most telling in terms of that, because I, I just was mm -hmm. really, really surprised they didn't go for it. I don't kick that. I go for it. Uh, yep. Model wise. Cause I feel like that's where, yes. where the, the framework for these decision comes. 
Next Gen Stats model uh, has it as a go situation. Uh, win percentage of go, 34.7%. Win percentage of field goal attempt, 243 A difference of 10% win percentage is extremely big uh, when it comes to like, the, these decisions. Can I say something funny? ESPN is the opposite. ESPN yeah, so their model goal. takes yes. weather into account. The next yes. gen stats does, which I asked Keegan Abdu there. Thank you to Keegan. Seth Walter of ESPN tweets out their model. Uh, win percent go, 35%. Win percent kick, 42%. So it's 7% in the other direction. And as Seth says in that, uh, they don't account for rain in their model. So, you know, heuristics have to be involved, right? Like you, you, the, the human has to make the decision. Yeah. And obviously the rain feels like it makes it even more so. To go on top of Nora's point, uh, Mac Jones, I, I said, like, oh, the depth of target is too shallow. You know what I mean? It's only five yards up target, and that pushes the ball down the field. It's fourth and three. Yeah. If it was fourth and eight, I'm worried. I, I I don't like Mac in that situation. On fourth and three, I love my situation. I feel very confident that Mac's going to make the quick, decisive, correct read and pick up five yards. That's what he's been doing all game. Uh, I'm shocked that they did not want to put him in that situation. Even if you hit it, uh, 54 seconds, bucks with two timeouts, you're only up by a field goal. Like, I don't even like that too much either. You know, even how right. Brady's been playing. Uh, so to me, that, that's a clear go for it situation. They had that. And also at the end of the second quarter, uh, they decided to punt on a fourth and two. They, yep. they took a a, a, right. a, a a delay of game penalty and then punted it. And the Bucks like left their defense out in the field when the punting team was there. Because they were like, that's not real, right? Uh, Brady gets that ball back within two minutes, scores a field goal, mm -hmm. uh, goes in half seven, six, and obviously ends up winning the game by two. Uh, two suboptimal decisions by like next gen stats models for Belichick in terms of kicking, punting, attempting on fourth down, whatever. It's a little bit of a, a get with the times here. You know what I mean? Teams are going for it on fourth down now. You got to catch up or get left behind. He started and he can't do it anymore. Yeah. For what it's worth, he's he's given his press conference right now um, and was just asked if there was any consideration of going for it. And he said, not really. I would take that with a grain of salt, but given where Belichick is emotionally right now, I won't believe anything he says. Uh, is there anything, Nora, about the pageantry of the night that surprised you? I mean, so Brady did not come out before the game, and he did his sort of long line of handshakes and hugs after the game. Um, anything just in the stadium with Brady, with Belichick, with with Steve Belichick, who was making strange faces all night, who seemed to be, to be living in the moment. Uh, anything about the night surprise before we get to the Buck side? Well, Brady had a little bit of a rough go of it, and, and maybe... We'll talk about how much of a factor the weather was. Yeah. But what interested me was that he was he was missing high a lot in the first half. And it kind of reminded me of sometimes you'll see rookie quarterbacks like making making their first couple of starts. Should we throw like, them in the rookie roundup later? <laughs> I'm we down. did it. We ended up talking about that in a different context. But you're just so amped, right? Like you've got adrenaline coursing through your veins and those misses tend to just be like, you don't realize how much you're putting on the ball. Yeah. At least that's how I've always heard people talking about it. And I wonder if he had a little bit of that going on because you couldn't really, he and Bill had the world's shortest hug after the game. Obviously they did the big video. There's signs everywhere. The crowd cheered him. There's a lot going on there. He had the talk and the hug with with Robert Kraft in the stadium before. I've got to imagine that even for somebody like Tom Brady, that's a little bit of a weird experience to come back and like you, you know you see ticket people that maybe you haven't thought of in a year, but you go, oh my god, I, I just recognize all of these yeah. faces. Like there's just no way that even for someone that focused, it wasn't affecting him mm -hmm. on some level. Now, whether or not that actually translated into the physical and if that had anything to do with why he was particularly erratic early in that way, I don't know. But it, it at least made me wonder if the emotion affected him a little bit. It, was it 
similar to what it's like when you go back to Gillette now? <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. You just see everybody. Oh, yeah. yeah. That that vending machine yeah. that <laughs> the smart food would always get stuck in brings a tear to the eye. The coffee, the coffee, the Dunkin' Donuts, uh, the K-Cups. All right. Um, Actually, don't don't knock the Dunkin' Donuts K-Cups. Those are solid. We've had many a great conversation making those K-Cups before we were coworkers. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, Ben. So let's talk about the Bucks here for a second. So Sean Murphy Bunting already an injury. Uh, Carlton Davis goes out tonight. Anton Winfield leaves the game with a concussion. Uh, they feasted on Richard Sherman. I believe the stat, let me get that up here. Uh, I believe that they did not have an incompletion maybe during the game, but at least in the first half against Richard Sherman up oh, it's seven, seven of seven for 74 yards. Uh, when Richard Sherman is the nearest defender and DPI penalty, according to Mike Reese over the course of the game, um, any red flags here with the bucks or all things considered with the injuries, with the emotions, this was, this was a good win for them. Yeah, Sherman doesn't look uh, like he's physically up to speed. I don't want to say he's out of shape. I think he kept himself in shape, and I think that he, you know, knew he could get his number called as a free agent. I think he can get there. I think, like, you know, you get your sea legs back under you. But it was very clear early. You know what I mean? Like, you got Patriots offensive assistants watching that game from the booth going, yeah, he ain't moving the way corners should move. We got to keep, you know, like, we throw the ball back shoulder on him, throw out cuts on him. He's just not going to be able to break on it. Uh, and so I'm not, man. Yeah. So I'm not, I'm not surprised that that was the uh, the move. And you saw them start to blitz him a little bit late, which mm-hmm. what do you do when you don't trust a guy in coverage? You blitz him. Uh, and so, uh, right. And and that's a reasonable expectation for a mid-30s quarter, uh, cornerback who was signed during the week. You know what I mean? That's no problem. And Sherman's a smart, smart corner. So he's going to be able to get away with that as I think he gets physically up to speed. Uh, this was, as always, the concern with the Bucks. The concern was they were the healthiest team in the league last year. Something's got to give. And in this case, it's the defensive backfield. Losing Jason Pierre-Paul, obviously, for this game makes it tough. Their pass rush is a little bit lacking. Right now, it's who can clean up a beat of Vea bull rush. Tonight, it was Joe Tryon Shainka. Congrats to him. But really, it's if Vea's getting into the pocket quickly enough right now. Uh, they're able to move the quarterback off his spot, and then they're able to do clean up work off that. So, yeah, I don't think it's any lasting concerns. I don't think there's anything schematically that's wrong. I mean, Bowles was getting free rushes. He was causing problems mm-hmm. for Mac. Uh, it's just a matter of when that ball is coming out under two seconds because you have to sit and cover three. Uh, there's not much a pass rush can do. So I'm not overall all concerned with that. Uh, the Bucks target distribution, I think, is something that's a little bit more finicky for me. Uh, if you tell me it's shadowed receivers in the first half and Jalen Mills is the one on Chris Chris Godwin, that's where my football is going. Chris Godwin didn't start getting looks until the two-minute drill. Uh, that, to me, is surprising. I think that there's a... A lot of mouths to feed problem right now, where it's just figuring out where you like your guys and which spots and which route distribution. Good problem to have, but still a little bit of a problem. Overall, no major concerns, right? Tough win, gutted it out. I mean, Brady said it after the game, he was like, this was an ugly game. We were really bad in the red zone. It was raining. I was missing. I got good teammates. You know what I mean? That's very much the case. Made some critical plays. Levante David, pass break on third and three. Like, they got the little stuff done to sneak out with it. North, the Bucks show you anything tonight, or is this kind of what you expected? I think given the circumstances, it's kind of what you expect, right? Like they're, they're banged up. I think if it hadn't been pouring, I would have expected them to seem a little bit more in control start to finish, but it was really gross out there. And I think sometimes sure like, that's, that's an easy thing to underrate. That was a hard environment to play in. Um, I do think it seemed like some of the stuff the Patriots were doing defensively, like it at least gave them a little bit of pause. Look, I think this is a game plan that's that's been in the works for a while. So I think you factor that in. You factor in some of the guys that they're missing. 
you factor in, okay, they're trying to get Sherman up to speed. Obviously, he's not quite ready to do what they're asking him to do initially. It kind of, it starts to make sense. I I thought they were going to win a little bit more handily than this, but I think given the circumstances, Mm -hmm. it doesn't make me feel sort of worse about their their long-term prospects. Yeah. My main thing in terms of like, takeaways like i've just talked about like learning about josh Dan- josh mcdaniels and mac matt juden's a different cat yep holy Woo. smokes uh right i i was looking up something else and i found that he was like top in, in pass rush win rate uh or excuse me top in pass rush productivity from pff top in win rate uh against opposing offensive tackles for pff josh uche is also right there he's number two and i was like is matt juden really playing that well watch back with matt juden okay that's nice and then he's going up against tristan werfs and donovan smith that boy's physical. Oh, I, I, the way he wins with strength is, it's just so, it's so Belichickian and it's yep. so awesome. He's just a bully. Uh, and he's wearing number nine and baggy red sleeves. It's just a good look. Uh, so a lot of money thrown into this free agency yeah. class. A lot of debate about it. Yeah. But Matt Judon, they got that one right. He's working out the best. Yeah, that, that's what I was going to say is that we have to actually separate Judon from the other signings because I think that everybody saw this as, and I think Kraft's quote right afterwards, well, we saw an inefficiency where we could go out and spend money when nobody else had it because the cap was down and we had all this cap space, blah, 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 blah. And like, I think they overpaid on a bunch of guys, but Matthew Judon was was the guy. Like that 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 is a normal Patriots run-of-the-mill, like great signing. And I yeah. I... I, lo- I think he was their I first to one him. too, like which yeah. doesn't actually matter. But it was like they got that guy, and they sure. knew that he would fit for what they needed. Sure. And overall, it was just a really quick. They knew who they wanted across yeah. the board, right? Like they were yeah. so many of them were Drew Rosenhaus clients. Like it was all sort of set in motion. <laughs> one thing about Judon uh, when he was with the Ravens, um, I mean the Ravens in general, people in New England used to always talk about like, okay, there's a lot of teams that are kind of scared of the Patriots. Mm-hmm. where they'll just do weird stuff. The Ravens were never one of them. That was always yeah. a game where it was like, they are not going to be intimidated just because of, you know, the colors on the jerseys. And it was funny. Judon was one of the guys this week who was like, stop talking about Tom yeah. Brady. I do not care. This was not, I'm deeply paraphrasing. And also my tone could not possibly be more different from Matt Judon's, <laughs> but he was really, really, really over the the He's Brady line it. of questioning. And Mm. he just seems like he's like one of those dudes. I, I got to imagine they're really happy with that signing. Best player on the field tonight, man. I don't disagree. Okay. Uh, the Patriots have the Texans next week, so that's a get right game and the Dolphins play the Bucks. So interesting, interesting game there. Uh, I'm intrigued to see it uh, as two people who've spent some time, not, not, you know, weeks, but some time with Steve Belichick, you thought what about his star turn? You know, I, I think some things sort of defy defy uh, explanation. That one I'm going to leave as one of the great mysteries of the galaxy is what exactly Steve Belichick was doing with his mouth on the sidelines. He was However, feeling it. I will, I will tell you, I'm looking at a little website called Twitter.com, and mm-hmm. I'm seeing the Patriots trending. I'm seeing Tom Brady trending. I'm seeing the Buccaneers trending. I'm seeing Mac Jones trending. I am not seeing Bill Belichick trending. I am seeing Steve Belichick trending. So is this possibly a successful attempt to take the attention off of his father? By making weird faces? I don't know, man. You thought we were going to get through this whole podcast about a conspiracy theory? I just want to start here. Did Bill Belichick have children so that 30 years into it, (laughs) he knew Tom was going to leave? 
And he knew that one night he wanted to not trend on Twitter. By the way, he's doing a great job of trying uh, of trending on Twitter. He just entered, according to Albert Breer and other people, he entered the the Bucks locker room. My my stance on Steve Belichick is this: if I had to do anything in a National Football League game, if I'd like be the guy who runs around with the ball to give it to the refs, the facial expressions yeah. I would make under such stress yes. would be uh, they would be immortalized forever. So when you're the defensive coordinator uh, working for your dad, trying to stop the quarterback his quarterback for 22 years, who he definitely is not mad that he left and doesn't care about winning this game, yada, 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 yada. I would, I also would be making weird facial expressions. So, Steve, I get you, man. It's a tough job. I have an The NFL also once face. suspected that the Patriots were, like, having one of their website guys videotape the Bengals, the Bengals to get an unfair advantage. So it's not the weirdest conspiracy theory that's been planted about the Belichick family. Well, now they just see a bunch of empty sets and Joe Burrow just carving them up if they, if they did that, if they filmed the Bengals. I cannot believe you got Bengals process. Boom! They nearly lost to the Jags. Just, just trying to get that process. Boom. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. From your morning podcast to your fantasy team, we know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with State Farm Personal Price Plan. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices may vary by state. Options selected by customer, availability, and eligibility may vary. All right, time for our first superlative. Um, it's the Patrick Mahomes Lamar Jackson Award for making the leap as a young quarterback. And right now, as of early October, I'm giving it to Kyler Murray. Uh, Cardinals 37, Rams 20. This is a big deal, guys. This is a really, really big deal. And there's a lot to unpack, but I want to start with you, Ben Solak. Woo, buddy. Yeah. If you can take third and 16 and go, listen, if nothing opens downfield, our quarterback will just pick it up for us. You have officially ascended to a tier of just invulnerability <laughs> on offense. Right? And that's, that's where they are. Cliff, I like, I, just, I resent Cliff a little bit because yeah. he just is sitting there on the sideline yeah. wearing his sunglasses indoors looking hella fine and just like, listen, I call anything. Kyler's going to be cool. Like, Kyler's going to be good. He called, a, he called a very well-timed tight end screen up 13. And I was like, boom, there you go. That, that's, that's the Cliff play. That's the Cliff feather in the cap. Great play call. Great design. Good job, Cliff. Everything else about the Cardinals offense is mm -hmm. it's Kyler like and friends, you know what I mean? Like Rodney yep. Hudson's obviously been great for them. Chase Edmonds, man, a AJ Green comeback catch, right? A a AJ Green, uh, officially it, back, right? contested down the field, right? Like <laughs> okay. he, he looks spryer. I guess he couldn't have looked less spry. Okay, let's, but anyway, no, this is Kyler Murray. That that's right. the magic of Kyler Murray. Let's not declare anybody yeah. back here. Let's declare Kyler Murray good. I don't know where I didn't know. It's it's right. 2014 again. <laughs> now, my big question is simply this, and, and I was telling you in the pre-show that I want to go back and I want to watch Kyler's beginning of his 2020 because sure. he had that surge in early 2020 uh, in the MVP odds. He had a really nice start to the season and then things petered out. The thing is that like, I don't, uh, to me, that's just regression. To me, that's just chaos yeah. because there's no like, oh, they figure out the Cardinals offense. There's nothing to figure out here. It is backyard yeah. football. The, the one thing I would say to figure out is stop blitzing him because it doesn't work. 
But sure. other than that, it's the, they're kind of just making up as they go. So I don't think it's like a figure out thing. I think it's just it regresses thing. But again, like this seems like an even better start to 2021 than he had in 2020. And kudos to him because it's amazing how well he's able to play in chaos. Yep. Uh, did not go down the field often, but when he did, he connected. Uh, 75% of his passes were completed according to PFF and zero, zero turnover worthy plays on the afternoon. Um, I just loved everything I saw. You know, I don't know how to Photoshop, but I was actually trying to figure out a way to, you know, remember the Cliff Nice House photo? I was hoping to maybe put him with his feet up in SoFi Stadium, another nice piece, piece of real estate, because Cliff Kingsbury now owns that as well. Um, I I have been on the Kyler Murray bandwagon for a while, and I'm not, listen, he's the first overall pick in the draft. I'm not, I'm not inventing Kyler Murray here as a thing. Hot but take. What we're seeing right now is kind of special. So first of all, um, the Rams' defensive line was pretty quiet today. Uh, 13 pressures in the game, uh, according to PFF, uh, not good. Aaron Donald basically shut out, created two pressures on 37 pass snaps. Wow. Um, a lot of that was Kyler. Um, every single offensive lineman for the Cardinals allowed a pressure at one point, but Kyler was able to just escape that. Um, this is, we're, we're, I, I think, Ben, that we're kind of seeing a, a, a leap here a little bit. Nora, uh, was this a... You know, let me back up here for a second, because I was looking at early October last year and week five last year was when the Raiders beat the Chiefs and carved up the Chiefs defense. Everybody said, here come the Raiders. It's time to worry about the Chiefs. So I don't want to overreact to one week. But when you see a team like the Rams go down like this in an NFC West that we all thought was going to be special outside of the Cardinals, what did this game do to your belief in that division? Well, the Cardinals are really good. I, I think these are the two front runners, right? And that's that's um, fairly well established at this point. And they'll have put the rest of the season to kind of duke it out. The nice thing for the Cardinals, just because the Rams, I, I feel like we have a better sense of who they are. Even if you were expecting them to win this game, right? We've talked about some of their vulnerabilities on defense, particularly, you know, when you get past, okay, what's Ramsey doing? What's Donald doing? Hopkins obviously didn't go off in this game. And I'd actually, I want to rewatch and, and see exactly how much those two were matched up together because it was kind of mm -hmm. hard to see at points early um, it was like very little uh ramsey played yeah. the slot more in this slot game than he had any 72 percent yeah. of his times yeah the last time he was he played in the slot this much was week one of 2016 so but there were some ago. highlight plays <laughs> where those two were really battling yes mm -hmm. so that right. was interesting to me and then obviously they, they were effective at neutralizing donald which is mostly kyler that to me makes sense for the rams i think the question of whether or not the Cardinals like are this juggernaut. And if this is sort of a repeat of, of sure. their hot start last year, if it's more sustainable, the good news is that we're going to find out, right? Because they have the 49ers, they've got the Browns, then they've got the Texans and they've got the Packers and then the Niners again. Um, and then the Panthers who obviously lost today, but have looked, you know, moderately spicy on D um, and then the Seahawks. So they're in that division, right? And they're going to be tested. I, I think Kyler, look, it is good to be Cliff. Right. He just lines yes. everybody up in the same spot. Kyler, go work your magic. Go have fun out there. Solak demoted the run game coordinator two weeks ago. Oh. You should just start handing out orange Cliff. slices. Did I? Is that me? Was that Ruiz? I think that might have been might That have been Ruiz. feels like a Steven thing. Somebody did we demo somebody. It was did. Ruiz. The editorial what voice Ruiz? Is Ruiz. Rap we all did. We all did. Um, okay. So that it was that's definitively Steven Ruiz. I just want you to know that. <laughs> okay. It was a good, it was like a great take. I agree with it. This doesn't make Cliff a good coach. It means he's the coach of Kyler Murray. Yes. 
that's the only thing that's been established. He's he's mm-hmm. the coach on the sideline while Kyler Murray does amazing things. Um, Cooper Cup targeted 13 times in this game. Uh, Matthew Stafford, bad game. Just weird throws, uh, high throws. It was a flat game. And maybe yeah. that was that was just beating the Bucks last week and it being emotional and them thinking they made it. I, I, I don't know. Again, you cannot extrapolate October games into a full season, but this was just a flat, sloppy game. Yeah, I was DMing my buddy uh, Derek Class in a Football Outsiders and being like, yeah, Yo, like what are the Cardinals guy. doing? Like, what is this? Like, this happening? Stafford, this, Stafford, that. And he just responded, Matt Stafford, weirdly inconsistent game. I'm stunned. Yeah. And it reminded me, like, yeah. oh, that's right. Like, we know what this guy is. We saw him in Detroit. Yeah. There are games you're just like, what are you doing? And that was one of these. All right. Are, I, I, we're not worried about Stafford. We're putting Stafford into the not worried category. Are we starting to scratch our chins about the Rams defense? Yeah. I'm there. Uh, and I was there a little bit before the Bucks game, and I was expecting the Bucks game to be worse, and they they played better. And I was like, ah, we're fine. And then you see this, and you're like, no. Uh, they have, there's there's two issues. Number one, all right, uh, it's it's the Brandon Staley defense, so it's zone match stuff, okay? Mm-hmm. That requires a lot of continuity. requires a lot of chemistry in the defensive backfield. And when you lose Troy Hill and John Johnson, you start to get, breaks in that chemistry right ramsey playing majority slot mm-hmm. now instead of playing majority outside that's going to change the literal chemistry it's going to change the dynamic and all of this like when when coaches talk about zone match they talk about like guys are on a string you know what i mean everyone has to react everybody has to move to one another and so there's that lack of continuity that affects things and then there's also darius williams was excellent in 2020 he's taking a big step back troy hill is gone they have david long in the field he's just not the sort of player you'd like for him to be and so they have a corner depth problem and then they have a defensive backfield continuity problem and which means there's a lot more space there's a lot more contested wins it's just a lot harder to get off the field they got andrew buried nora take us home well do you guys think the ramsey thing i just want to go back to that for a second yeah with them moving him around all over the place this is going to sound a little bit silly do we think that's a good idea because he's played great, right? He's Jalen Ramsey. I just yeah. keep having this question, particularly in this game. And it's not like Hopkins went off like crazy. He had four catches for 67 yards. On some level, isn't like a shutdown outside corner always going to be more valuable than that like Swiss Army yeah. knife dude? Or do yeah, you guys yes, feel like yes. he's sort of doing more? No, I think ben, Ben's going to make the point that the shutdown corner is more important. I would say this, and I know this is the, this is the dumbest thing in the world. But I watch a lot. I watch a lot of college football, and I remember when Jalen Ramsey was doing as many things as possible. I just remember thinking, "Jesus Christ, this guy's a nightmare." And I understand <laughs> the NFL wrong. level; it's it's a little bit different. But I think you can. I think a shutdown cornerback is extremely valuable at the NFL level. But I also see try, trying to experiment and saying, "What if we did this a little bit?" Ben, take take it away. Yeah. Firstly, don't tell me what I'm going to say. Don't put words in my mouth. I don't know who you think you are. Secondly, you a shutdown. Yes. Secondly, a shutdown yes corner is more her. valuable. <laughs> <laughs> right that's you the thing said, i was only going off the noise you made <laughs> it, no it, that's the thing is uh it has jumped the sharks i agree it is good to move around your most dynamic defensive piece the thing about ramsey is like oh he's a shutdown corner he's also like a vicious run defender and when you can get yes. that guy as the nickel he's going to be in the run fit and that's super valuable to you but right. he is playing more it, before this game he had played the majority of his snaps not the plurality the majority of his snaps in the slot and now after this game, it's going to be an even increasing margin. That's good. I understand why it's helpful to your structure. I understand why it's nice that he can do that. At the end of the day, you want him to line up against DK Metcalf. You want him to line up against DeAndre Hopkins, be able to take those players away on key downs. And like Darius Williams losing a contested ball to AJ Green, you're going to have to live with that. You can't, Ramsey yeah. can't take that away. Darius Williams has to cover somebody. But yes, this to me has jumped the shark a little bit. It's a good changeup. It should not be the bread and butter. Uh, I would say this. 
the Florida State went from Jalen Ramsey over the middle of the field doing everything to Derwin James over the middle of doing everything, and now they're the worst team in the nation. So uh, nobody only over the Florida middle of the field. team to win a game last weekend. I'm pretty sure losing to Jack State. I didn't hear that. Um, okay, <laughs> we're moving on. Nora for superlative. All right, so I am handing the 2021 Executive of the Year Award to Aaron Rodgers. Packers yeah. win 27-17 Visionary. against the Steelers, although I'm going to negate my own argument here. I am handing Aaron Rodgers this award for training for Randall Cobb. Five catches, 69 yards, two touchdowns, everything coming up, Rodgers, making those great personnel moves in, in the offseason, knew what he needed, knew what the missing link was there in Green Bay. However. If he has any competition, I like to think that it might be coming from within his own building. Because if I were Brian Gutekunst oh, watching yeah. the Pittsburgh Steelers right now, yeah. I would be saying to myself, and you're mad at me for wanting a succession plan? Mm-hmm. How dare anyone take issue with what I have done while watching the corpse of Ben Roethlisberger attempt to orchestrate a Steelers offense that just, I mean, we buried them last last week. I don't quite know what to add buried to that. Buried them last season. Ben Roethlisberger is now the only quarterback in the last 20 seasons, this is according to ESPN Stats and Info, to lose yardage on multiple fourth down completions mm-hmm. in the same season because they ran again the dump-off pass to Harris that we talked about last week when Tomlin was like, well, we're out of plays. I don't know yeah. what to do. Yeah. Yep. And now we're just doing it again. So I don't know what to say. It, we've, re, we've buried him so many times. It's like a horror movie, except the villain never comes back. Like, there's just nothing. Like, Michael Myers is not coming back, and we're just sitting there, okay? Um, Matt Canada came out over the weekend, the week, aye, aye, and aye. said, we're just going to keep on trucking. We're going to do exactly what we do. And my well, God, he was you right. Did. He was mm-hmm. he, he was not lying about that one. They are still doing exactly what they did. Um, ben, were you surprised at the volume of behind the line of scrimmage passes when they needed to get a yard? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Not surprised by anything anymore. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's... Uh, I, again, like I, you, will, I won't defend Matt Canada here. I'll, I, I don't find him a very defensible no. offensive coordinator. However, I understand the rock and a hard place between which he's stuck. Yes. There's only so much you can do with a quarterback as limited and obstinate as Roethlisberger is. Limited, I can't do X, Y, and Z. Obstinate, I refuse to do A, B, and C. I won't go under center. I won't run play action. Right? There's, you only have so many pitches. Uh, the only thing I want to know is. Did Mike Tomlin know that the camera caught him winking at Aaron Rodgers in the middle of the game? Yeah. Executive of the year 2022 is Mike Tomlin for yeah. Tampa. Will Juju Smith-Schuster try to force a trade uh, at the deadline? That's all. I, I, I want to see just how bad this can get. I loved Rodgers and Tomlin just trading subs. Yeah. I love that. Buddy. It remind, I, have you guys ever seen yeah. the Shaq, Greg Popovich thing like that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, where where he he uh, Greg Popovich yeah. sent a hack of shack in as a joke, and then they just kind of laughed at each other. That's just two dudes. That's just yeah. dudes being dudes right there. Just two um, football okay. guys having a nice time, trying to trying to get together in 2022. I, I want to talk about Aaron Rodgers here for a second. So he came out and said that uh, the Steelers tried to take away Devontae Adams, and when when Adams was single cover, he threw it to him. But mostly that created opportunities for for Randall Cobb. Uh, Nine touchdowns, zero interceptions since the week one debacle. Nor Prince Yadis, Aaron Rodgers back. Aaron Rodgers is back. Yeah. 
And look, okay. Am I a little bit in jest about the Randall Cobb thing? Yes, absolutely. However, if there's one thing that was a little bit of an issue for this, this Packers offense is that they clearly have a number one, right? So if you take away Adams, you're kind of wondering what's left. Now, I'm not saying that they have any other world beaters there, but they're using Aaron Jones as a receiver a little bit, um, Mm -hmm. except for the fact that he can't hold on to the football. I think that's nice. If Cobb, if they just have that sort of established rapport, if that's going well, it's good for them to have other options. They're not going to have another Devontae Adams, but you can see what happens when against a very good defense, if he's getting a lot of the the bulk of the attention, it opens things up for other guys. Not rocket science, but that's a really well-constructed offense. I think that's really good for them to just have guys that he can go to that Rodgers feels good about going to, because that's obviously with him, that's a big deal, right? That he likes who he's throwing to. The thing you want in like your receiving core is I, I think it's Daniel Jeremiah who talks about like, the basketball team. You want guys who fill right. different roles, right? Like Marquez Valdez-Scantling is a valuable player to have, but he is explosive but inconsistent. Alan Lazard's a very valuable receiver to have because of his blocking ability, which I know sounds stupid, but it's really important for like that, that offense. Cobb yeah. is Eddie steady, right? He's possession receiver. Yeah. You're not going to be two touchdowns every single week, though. If Rogers wants to feed Cobb red zone targets to justify the trade, I'm 100% behind that and would like to see just how him. many he can, but they have a variety of guys, right? And so when you're down, Marcus Valdez scantling time. When you're winning a possession game against a, a dull offense like the Steelers, Randall Cobb time. What point guard is Ben Roethlisberger like? Oh, <laughs> my first thought was uh, was Bibby, but that's because he's a lot bigger now than he was back then. Oh wow. Hmm. Okay, my we're dad gonna move on. Why? Yeah, we're, yeah. Somebody's dad. All right, we're moving on here to Ben Solak's first superlative. Yeah, my first superlative is, uh, you know, it's everything fine. There's nothing to see here, right? That gif of the guy uh, in front of the, the burning building. Though, I suppose sure. the building's not really burning. Uh, I, the rookie quarterbacks are okay, guys. We're fine. You know, it was five days ago that we had the rookie quarterbacks are 1-10 in 10 graphic on Thursday Night Football, right? The only rookie quarterback with a win is Mac Jones, who beat Zach Wilson, so a rookie quarterback had to win. Then Trevor Lawrence came out and, in a loss, had his best game of the season against Cincinnati mm. Bengals. Uh unbelievable out-of-structure throws, which was already always an underappreciated part of Lawrence's play just because he was so good in structure at Clemson. It was so RPO first read heavy that he was able to stay in structure a lot. Uh, the stuff that he was doing up against the sideline, the deep bomb to LaVisca, like that's just silly. And it's a reminder that he has one of the top NFL arms. He has throw on the moveability. Justin Fields gets his second start uh, against the Detroit Lions. Matt Nagy gives away play calling in the dead of night. Doesn't tell anyone. Competitive advantage, baby. Head coach Matt Nagy. Uh, and Bill Lazor walks out with just a gorgeous game plan, right? We're going to be under center. And, and he, he tried to not tell anybody after the game either. Yes. Which... He, he just gave word salad until he finally admitted that all those good plays weren't his. It's Belichickian. Subterfuge. Yeah. It's like when you were a teenager and your parents like have irres- irrefutable evidence that you did something wrong and you're just saying words out loud hoping that some of them get strung together into an excuse, right? You're just, 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 keep just throwing stuff at the wall to see what sticks. Laser comes out with a great game plan. Uh, Fields gets, I want to say, 5,000 more downfield opportunities than he got against the uh, the Browns. In large part, his pass protection was better, and he couldn't miss. I mean, intermediate and deep, he was absolutely gorgeous. To me, that's the best game a rookie has played yet this year, was Fields against the Lions. I know it's the Lions defense. I know whatever, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. And then Zach Wilson gets his first win against the Tennessee Titans. I liked his game a lot more live than when I watched it back. Mm -hmm. Uh, He remains really late. Uh, He's late because 
at BYU, he had bigger windows, so he could get away with it. He's late because yep. rookies are usually late because of NFL speed. He's late because he pats the ball right. before every single throw, and that's getting really annoying, and somebody needs to clean that up. So there's a lot of reasons why he's late, uh, and that means you know there, there were uh, balls that could have been jumped, could have been picked off. There were yeah. passes that should have been easy completions that died in the dirt because the, the nose of the ball was spinning, so he was, had to release really quick because he's late to the throw. But then he hits a 55-yard bomb to Corey Davis out of structure, and you're like, holy Moses, this is why we drafted the kid. You know what I mean? Like, they won that game on the back of three explosive plays and then a pass interference. That's not tenable. That won't happen every week. But they caught a bad Titans defense with a lot of injuries on offense, and they were able to gut that out. So the win, confidence building. The deep passes, very confidence building. And it was Wilson's best game. So, oh, and then Trey Lance went in for the second. Yep, Jimmy, yep. Jimmy Garoppolo strained Let's his calf. Up there. He looked super duper jumpy. He just looked really uncomfortable. First action, he was seeing ghosts. He had a nice, nice drive there in garbage time. Debo Samuel touchdown. Not good for him. But in general, those rookies who we've seen have starts, who we've been worried about, and obviously we, we talked Mac Jones at the top, those rookies played better this, this week four. Now they're settling in. It's still a really good quarterback class. I think everybody should be happy with what they bought coming out of the draft. Yeah, so Garoppolo did not play in the second half, as we know. Um, so he said he hopes it's just a couple of weeks or something. Oh, uh, wow. Seems Yeah, so it seems like Lance will get more opportunities going forward. I really liked the highs of Zach Wilson today, and that's kind of we expected it, almost like what we were talking about, Ben, with Trevor Lawrence a couple of weeks ago, where we just want to see, we know we're going to see a bunch of mistakes that just sort of how rookies work, but we also want to see the, the, the high ceiling, and I saw that today from Wilson. I loved it. Nor, when you look at the rookie quarterbacks, what stood out, who impressed you? Well, it's just, this was a week that really made me think about, like, it's week four. Right. And I think sometimes it's like the season starts and you just dive right in and everything feels like it's going sure. a million miles an hour. And, and we're drawing all these conclusions and so excited to see everything. These guys haven't had very long. Right. And and I was thinking about it watching Lawrence. Right. Because it, it had been so rough. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, he's turning the corner. He's figuring it out. Like, right. This is what we expected to be seeing. And mm. I, I think the thing is just like these guys, a lot of them are not in amazing situations. Um, whether that's because of the teams that they're on or like even look, even for the 49ers in Lance's case, like Shanahan was really, really, really sure to point out after the game. He said the game plan was not built for him like four yeah. times. Like it just seemed like all he wanted to do was make also, sure. Also knew, like, called him a number two quarterback. Just so everybody yeah. knows he's not one. Why, any, why he's does not everybody one have job. to be weird? Why do the coaches have to be so weird all the time? Kyle Shanahan like, could not hate half of his roster more. It's really amazing. It's really amazing it that is Kyle something. Shanahan is either like, this is my guy, or I just, this the guy. The people forget not. Kyle Shanahan is a sub 500 head coach. Wow. Do people forget that? I think enough people forget it that it feels worthy you, of mentioning are, here. Are you floating After this loss Ayuk to the reeling right? Seattle Seahawks. Are, they, are the Seahawks reeling? They were reeling. They lost back-to-back games to the Titans and the Vikings. Okay. Yeah, no, okay. I mean, it's week four. <laughs> Guys, it's, yes, it's week four. Like, I, I think we all need to take a chill pill with the rookie quarterbacks and, and maybe just generally. Like, I think it would be good for us. But that was my takeaway with them. It's just like, we need to give these guys a little bit more time to cook because most of them are not in amazing situations, either because, like with Lance, the circumstances with which he got in. Um, unless we think it's a giant conspiracy and... Shanahan just wanted to to get him in there, but I have a feeling it okay. wasn't because I don't think Jimmy would be on board with that. So next week, Zach Wilson has the Falcons. Seems like a good confidence, good next step there. 
Uh, the Bears have the Raiders. Um, the Trey Lance has the Cardinals. So that is interesting to me. And the reeling Seahawks have the Rams on Thursday night. Are you right. worried about that, Ben? But are they, now say. are the Rams reeling? They had there were are like the, yeah, quotes a, from the defense that they like didn't know what the play calls were. I feel yeah, but that's just I know, the Seahawks. and I publicly commented on that, and I said that that is they they this is what they do. I don't know. It They're felt different, but maybe reel. it's not. The Seahawks are only reeling when things are quiet. Yeah, <laughs> that's when that's when disaster truly strikes. I'll say this right now: a week out, uh, a a week to game plan for Lance against that Cardinals rushing defense, which is a abysmal could get like real funky we could see one of those like 23 to 13 wins where san francisco holds the ball for like 40 minutes sort of things which i would extremely vibe with though they probably don't have the secondary to do that either way i think san francisco runs the ball all over arizona next week trevor lawrence has the titans oh baby so, yeah reeling titans nah titans just bad <laughs> all right uh i'm giving the uh aaron Rodgers was right about mike mccarthy award to the Dallas Cowboys and Kellen Moore and everything good I saw today. So let's back up here. The Dallas Cowboys are legit. The Dallas Cowboys are going to win the NFC East. I cannot believe because we picked the week that the Cowboys sent the weird tweet that I temporarily talked myself out of the Cowboys being very, very good. Right. The Dak sh- it was Jerry Jones all of a sudden calling the Texas Rangers about Dak shoulder. And I said, guys, I don't know about this one. And then Dak seems to be totally fine. Not only that, uh, the entire Cowboys defense is is rejuvenated. Turns out Mike Nolan was one of the worst coaches in history, and Dan Quinn is not. Whether or not Dan Quinn's actually a good defensive coordinator is a separate issue. He's much better than Mike Nolan. So they beat the previously undefeated Carolina Panthers 36 to 28. Dak Prescott 14 of 22 for 188 yards, four touchdowns. Zeke Elliott 143 yards and a touchdown. Trayvon Diggs. 44% completion percentage, two interceptions, 37 passer rating allowed. Uh, he now leads the NFL in interceptions. Ball hawk rate. I don't know what that is, but the NFL keeps it as a stat. And target EPA, negative 24. Um, beyond that, uh, Osa Odigizua yeah, well, has, I think he had six pressures today. Uh, seven quarterback hits through four games this stat via bobby belt that's three more than any cowboys defensive tackle had in 2020 uh ben the cowboys built their entire draft around defense it worked yeah uh i i'm still a little suspicious in general i think two things are true about trevon Diggs. i think he's better than he was last year i also think that a lot of this interception stuff feels fishy uh, you know, Devonta Smith falling down last week. Uh, sure. The, the Interceptions sec- can be, yeah. be fishy? also just be a function of people throwing to you. Yeah. Uh, fishy in the sense that like uh, interceptions are definitely the more sticky of the turnovers. Like fumbles are like very random. Interceptions are a little right. bit less random. But I think people put a lot more. But still random. Weight, yeah, behind them than, than, right, than I think that they deserve. Uh, regardless, Diggs clearly playing well. Uh, and yeah, that that front, especially with Demarcus Lawrence out, it is impressive how well how successful they're being. I know before the game, the rookie leaders in pressure were Michael Parsons and Osa Digazua among mm-hmm. all teams, uh, and so that right absolutely is, is is giving you what you need. That's how you're going to have to win if you have a Dan Quinn defense. You're going to have to win with pressure up front. So all that's delightful to me. The 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 story is we saw Dallas walk out against Tampa Bay 
throw the ball like crazy, right? And it was like still like enough neutral downs because they were close that we were like, oh, the Cowboys are going to be super pass happy, happy this year. And then they've mm-hmm. come out in the last three games and been on run heavy scripts. And they were really good against Tampa. And they were really good against the other defense that run heavy script. The The Carolina defense was very tough to run on for a lot of teams previously. Dallas said, we're just going to be bigger than you. And they were able to do it successfully. Zeke has slimmed down, but has retained his tackle breaking strength. There is no better running back in the league than taking a three yard run and making it a five yard run than Zeke. Mm-hmm. Even Nick Chubb, even Derrick Henry. He finishes through contact at such an unbelievable rate, which keeps you ahead of the sticks. And then they're, they're, they're folding Pollard in as well. Uh, they can be whatever they want on offense. Prescott is smart enough to get them into the right looks, and they have a deep stable at running back, obviously a deep stable at receiver, and then freaking Dalton Schultz is like the fifth best tight end in the league right now. Like, they have everything that they need to just respond to defense. Fifth best or first best? What's that? Dalton Schultz, fifth best or first best? I said fifth best. It was just kind of off the cuff. No, I'm, I'm correcting you. Okay. Um, by the way, Golston had half a sack and two pressures generated today. For, yeah, and he missed most of camp, rookies. too, and he was, he was a yeah. good player coming out of Iowa. So... This Cowboys offense to me is the story for Dallas through four games. They can just evolve. They can just adjust and adapt. They can be whatever they need to be relative to what they're getting. It's tough to see a defense fully taking them away at this point. And so if Dallas is able to score 30 consistently and that that defense continues to get timely turnovers and timely pressures, I agree. Very difficult team to beat. I just wanted the Cowboys defense to be good enough. And that, that's what this is. This is yeah. not ever going to be a, a top two defense here or anything like that. But they're going to score points. Dak Prescott's going to put up a hell of a lot of passing yards on most weeks. And they just need to create turnovers and be a good modern defense. Okay? It's an There's extremely no similar yes. story to what's happening in Las Vegas, right? Yes. Uh, Las Vegas, it's explosives in this passing game. But it's we had some talent on defense. We had a defense coordinator trying to do a lot, be multiple. Let's bring in a cover three guy. It's going to have our guys line up and play. And we don't need to be elite. Floor we got to be fine and let our offense carry us the rest of the way. Let's raise the floor. Nora, hype up the Cowboys with me. Well, I'll do it by hyping up the, the Panthers, sort of. Because oh, I, no. I think... This no, is going to be an interesting you, backdoor. Oh, my God. She, she took Cowboys hype and turned it into Panthers hype. Well... I want to hear it. So, is I think the Panthers defense is... Is for real, at least for yes. real in terms of being a lot friskier than we were necessarily expecting to start the season. Season, I saw more of this game, I should say, in the first half when it was closer mm-hmm. than towards the end. But those guys are fast as heck. Like yes. everybody on the defense just looks like they're absolutely lit on fire. And so really my takeaway was, especially later in the game when the Cowboys really took control, is Yeah, like Ben said, they're able to win in multiple different styles. And this is just a really, really, really good offense Uh, to bring it home. Let's not listen to tweets that much again. Well, that's true. Listen, wait, what was that about? The the Cowboys, the 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 Cowboys tweet. tweet. It's not a reason to panic, Kevin. It's not a reason oh. to worry. They told us. Oh, I thought That's you meant just everybody's me tweets. I'm ready to, I'm just ready gotta to like less trash with everybody's tweets. tweets. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Okay, so here's the reason I wanted you to have up the Cowboys, Nora. I'm what if I didn't I'm want just, to? I'm, I'm, you, well, you didn't. And so, you, so you didn't. I liked it. it no, I good. did. Kind of. All right, let's... But wait, hold on, hold on. We're, we're, we're taking... No, no, no. We're taking a left turn. Taking a left turn. I think that we've seen Mike McCarthy blow enough decisions over the past couple of weeks. We know who the ace on the coaching staff is. Can we bang the drum? Will either of you join me in hyping up Kellen Moore for head coach of the Dallas Cowboys in 2022? No. Be a head coach of my Chicago Bears. Go Justin Fields. But wait, 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 wait. Let me ask you a question. Ben, if you are Chicago Bears, if you you 
were the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, would you support that? Or is this just a pro Justin Fields? Team? Yeah, if I was the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, I would support that. I'd also look myself long hard in the mirror and go, Mike McCarthy, the last 18 months? What were you thinking? I thought what? you were going to say you would look yourself long hard in the mirror and be like, why yeah. am I on this podcast right now? Yeah. There's a lot of things. I'm going to go to my yacht. Of dollars. There's a but, lot of things I'd look. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah. yeah uh, no, I, I very much believe that the best uh, coach on that staff is Kellen Moore. I will yes. say we do uh, in general uh, underappreciate my opinion. Veteran presences on coaching staffs, especially across the lulls and the swells of the season. And it is nice to have a young guy like Moore paired with McCarthy and Quinn, both of whom are like, you know, uh, established guys in, in locker rooms. I think that is good. But with that said, yeah, Kellen Moore should be that coach. I mean, you can just hire like, you can just hire Cam Cameron as an associate head coach if you want some veteran presence, you know? Yeah, or? I'm not know, unleashing that take. Mike McCarthy. <laughs> what about Dan Quinn? Or would Dan Quinn as like, as, ve- as veteran guy? Yeah. yeah. I, I, Quinn, yeah like, he's there. Players love Quinn. You know yes. what I mean? Like, yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Yeah. So, I, so I think that's a good situation for Moore to see how it's done. And like, hopefully he's watching more Quinn than McCarthy. But still, like, get get the veteran reps in there. I think I'm going to do an entire Cowboys hype podcast on Wednesday. That'd be really fun. I'd tune in. Thank you, Ben. Nora's not invited. <laughs> Nora's not invited because it's not. She could, it could be a Panthers defense show on Thursday. Yeah, you can go somewhere else to do your Panthers hype show, Nora. <laughs> Okay, Sir Purr and I will have a lovely time without <laughs> either one of you. Robbie Anderson. <laughs> Robbie Anderson, Anderson, Sir Purr, Sir Nora Purr, Mallory, and I we'll be joining are going to do our own Thursday podcast with Mallory Rubin, and Panthers, we don't need you guys. A Panthers moral victory podcast. Uh, ben, what's your next superlative? All right, so my next superlative is the you lied to us superlative. This is the bad superlative. Uh, <laughs> and it goes out mostly to the New Orleans Saints Offense, uh, Jameis Winston, five touchdowns, flawless execution in the first game against the Green Bay Packers. And we were like, man, LASIK Jameis, friend of the pod. Top storyline coming out of week one. <laughs> friend yes. of the pod. Uh, meanwhile, uh, well, the, the, the storyline that perhaps we should have taken away from that was how heavy on early downs the New Orleans Saints were running the football. Because that has remained their model across the course of the last few weeks. Mm -hmm. And we know in general that that's just not the model that you'd like to follow. You'd like to be able to be explosive on early downs. You'd like to be able to throw the ball on early downs and stay ahead of the sticks. Uh, Against the Giants, a team that, lest we forget, Patrick Graham, their defensive coordinator, said at at the top of the season, we don't know how to play run defense yet. Like that was a quote he gave in prep of week one. He was like, yeah, our guys aren't ready to play run defense. Well, uh, the Saints ran the ball on 35 of a potential 53 early downs. And they ran it with a 49% success rate, which is like decent, but it's not that great. They had a positive EPA, uh, 0.02, which again is like solid for running the football, but it's not incredible. Once again, Jameis was an extremely low uh, passing attempt player. He had 23 passing attempts. He has not crested 25 passing attempts yet in a game this season. Uh, And he was efficient. 17 for 23, 226 yards and a touchdown. He took no sacks or no picks. It was fine. But the offense lacks the ability to score quickly. They have to score on long drives. It has to be Alvin Kamara and dump offs. It has to be screens to the tight end. They got an explosive game to Marquez Callaway, and then he immediately was hurt and he left the field. Uh, they got Taysom Hill involved in the red zone package again, which is usually Sean Payton's, uh, I don't know what to do, answer to, to the problems on offense, right? We get Taysom involved. So this Saints offense is very afraid of giving the keys to Winston which is not where you want to be with your quarterback. Uh, and that 
gives them a, like they had control of this game. It was 21 to 10 halfway through the fourth quarter. And the Giants got a couple of really, really nice plays. Saquon Barkley, by the way, is back and looks awesome, which is very few players more fun to watch in the league than Saquon Barkley. Um, but it, the, the Saints had Green. control of this game. Give but, us your yeah. list. Give us your li- give us your quick list. Of uh, players are okay. I mean, yeah. it's like Lamar Mahomes at the top. Saquon's up there. Henry's up there. Uh, it's Keenan Allen. Gronk is really, really fun to watch. Uh, defensively, Derwin. Chandler Jones, really fun to watch. Garrett's really, really fun to watch. Um, oh, uh, 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 what's his name? Was it Levante David? Levante David is so yeah. fun to watch. Shaq Thompson's becoming one of these guys. Uh, Norm mentioned him earlier. Linebacker for the Panthers. Dude just flies. I have no idea how he's not broken at this point in the season. He is everywhere. Jeremy Chin also on that defense. But anyway. Uh, ben, you're invited on the Thursday podcast now. Thank you. 21 to 10. Uh, Panthers party. Halfway it's through the Panthers fourth quarter, party. right? It, it, it should have been a Saints win, but they also should have had more points on that board. And the Giants said, we're just going to throw the ball at Paulson to Debo the rest of the game and see how it goes. And they were able to win it in overtime. So the Saints uh, drop an unnecessary game. They're yep. two and two. But they don't feel they feel like a very scared football team. They feel like a team that that greatly lacks identity on offense. I, that's not true. They have an identity. It's just not a good one on offense. And then on defense, they're still recovering from some, from some of the departures that they had in free agency this season. So you lied to us, New Orleans. It looked like it could be real against Green Bay. And in general, I just don't think it is. Nor as our LASIK Jameis expert. Take it away. Well, uh, they did the Taysom throws the ball thing a couple times. <laughs> which just makes me nervous. Mm-hmm. Just makes me nervous about how everybody's feeling. I don't know. I mean, Jameis was fine, right? Yeah, like, yeah. he hasn't thrown an interception in three of four games as the Saints starter. Probably on the whole, that's better than you would hope, right? Eight out of I, six I do, in this game. Well, okay. He's very like, cautious. I think yeah. that, like, the beast has been maybe tamed a little bit too much in some ways. Like, I wonder if they're going to the flip side where it's like, Jameis, don't screw up. Jameis, don't screw up. Jameis, don't screw up. And then it's like, as Ben said, they're sort of not finding something to really like press the gas pedal other than just big shot plays. I just got to find something that's sustainable enough to not do the Taysom throws the ball thing. Like more than once. Once per game, I'll let you get away with. Once we're doing like two, three passes, like just, Mm -hmm. it just, it, it, it makes me nervous. We got a bunch of reader listener questions. I always say reader questions. We got a bunch of listener questions from Giants fans who are saying, hey, is Daniel Jones good? Is this, is this Daniel Jones? Is he back? Do either of you want to take this in, in any direction? Daniel Jones is like not back or not, not. Daniel Jones is the same. Daniel Jones, when he doesn't turn the ball over, Daniel Jones is like very good. Right. But that's one of his core tenets is fumbling. It's one of his that's things. That's the problem. Yeah. It was never the good plays he failed to make. It was the bad plays he made. It was the way he shot himself in the foot, right? So yeah. as long as Jones continues to shoot him to not shoot himself in the foot, it, it is acceptable quarterbacking. It's nothing amazing, but it, it'll get the job done. You can win a couple games with that. Uh, but quarterback stuff happens. Quarterbacks fall back on how they play. You know what I mean? Uh, I'm happy that he has yet to fumble the football. Uh, I think I think he's lost one fumble so far this year. Uh, he hasn't really thrown. I think he's thrown one pick as well. Uh, great, love it, awesome. Show me up for 16 games and let's sign you to a second contract. And I'm just not sure we get that all the way there. Not 17 uh, Daniel, games. Daniel Jones. Yeah. yeah. 
Just 16. No, week, week 18. Daniel Jones' second contract is, is kind of a scary phrase for me. Uh, Nora, last superlative. All right. So I, I'm delivering um, the Kevin Stefanski revenge game trophy to Kevin <laughs> Stefanski's Browns. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Congrats, Kevin. Mainly because, all right, so the Browns win 14 to 7 against the Vikings. I don't want to totally poo poo this game because I think the Browns defense was like legit very good and has been very good lately and is cool and exciting. Um, however, I would say that this was a concerning Baker Mayfield game, is yeah. how I would put this. Uh, uh, yes. Baker's quote after the game, he was 15 of 33. He said, I don't know what the hell that was, which I guess is good, right? Because if he can't identify the problem, it would indicate on some level that it kind of came out of nowhere. Um, But that was just overthrow after over. I mean, he could have overthrown the Kremlin, I think. Oh, I like that one. Oh, wow. Thanks, guys. Wow. Um, I worry that it was like it's 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 sort of. I'm trying to decide if I think this is random enough where we can just be like, okay, Baker's been super accurate to start the season, right? His completion percentage has been really, really high. Some of that is scheme. Some of that is Stefanski just making things easy for him. Um, Stefanski took some of the blame for the offense after Mm. this, saying that he needed to call a better game and get guys open. Uh, They were open. The ball was sailing many, many yards over their heads on a regular basis. I think I ultimately feel like it's not worth sort of like panicking over in terms of whether or not Baker's just going to keep doing this because it was weird. Like it was a sort of startling result. That said, it was a little too close to some of the bad tendencies we see with him when we do see him struggle that it just made me go like, Ooh, Ooh, don't love that. I don't know. Ben, what did you think? Right. I, the way I'd characterize it is we didn't see any any poor throw, poor decision, poor pocket process from Baker that we had never seen before. It's just he took all of the bad plays he usually makes across the course of like a month and just puts them all in one game. One which game. Good, you know what I mean? Just very high density. Uh, and, and listen, Mike Zimmer will do that to you. Uh, yep. He'll give you a, a every look in the book and then something else on top. Uh, and so it on some of those plays where like he's in the pocket and he's just bouncing around has no idea where the rusher's coming from has no idea where the space is going to develop that's something we see from quarterbacks facing Zimmer often missing Odell Beckham Jr. in open space is just like all right this is the sort of stuff we need to get we need to layups and Baker can be very um and when he's good he's good when he's bad he's bad he can get very much in 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 uh, in ruts right he's a momentum guy a little bit uh so I'm not overly concerned that we're going to get this Baker game uh over and over and over my major takeaway from the Browns against the Vikings and even a, a, a little bit in their previous games, uh, I remember you guys in the preseason trying to really hype me up on this defense and me being like, no, 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 I want to see it. Yeah, yeah, I can play a little bit. Oh, man, uh, Grant Delphit looks good. Troy Hill looks yep. good. Denzel really good. Ward looks real good. Jeremiah Wissukoromo, the rookie linebacker, absolute nutcase, love him. Defensive line can eat. Uh, Joe Woods has got, has got the dogs barking. Uh, so if we keep this up, yeah, we're a real team in the AFC. We can punch with the big guys. Uh, and so young Cleveland Browns defense early in the season, deliberate on what was built. Exciting to see. Nora and I would never steer you wrong. Never. I would forget the aforementioned Cowboys freak out. But I was I was there, really so excited. I was really excited about the Jaguars this season, guys. Yeah, someone someone like, DM'd I, I thought me, they which might I thought win was eight weird eight energy now. about that. Kevin, remember when you picked the Falcons to make the wild card? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. Is the is the wild card 
clinched by anybody. <laughs> it's a fair point. It's a fair point. Cordell <laughs> Patterson, bring him home, baby. <laughs> yeah, I saw this coming. Patterson, Patterson, three touchdown Cordell game. RB one. Uh, my my the Falcons pick for me was mostly that I didn't think there were seven good NFC teams. And now people were asking me. I think this is actually not a bad point. I wish you got some listener questions about this. Are four just four NFC West teams going to make the playoffs? That would be good. It'd be good for football. It'd be good for the playoffs. What? Yes. <laughs> good for football. No, Carolina. Maybe. It would be uh, great I, I if mean, the whole division made the playoffs. It would be embarrassing I mean, for the rest of the divisions. Just imagine, like, you know, Seattle Seahawks, uh, uh, you know, it's like, and they're like, oh, playoff streak of making the playoffs. Also, they were fourth in the division this year. Like, to me, that's a hilarious little nugget. I'd like it. At large bids. I like it's it. It's like the cool kids um, table. All right. Uh, that's it for superlatives. Time for Ruiz. Ruizens. Bye, Ben. We'll see you this week. See you on Bye, the next stop Ringer gambling yeah. show. Excited How are you doing to, the season? Excited to show up on both the Cowboys and the Panthers hype podcasts. Uh, you're not invited to the Cowboys one. Oh, I didn't like I didn't like the enthusiasm and the hype. <laughs> See you on Thursday, Ben. Bye, Nora. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging. I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. Just because you wrestle alligators for a living doesn't mean you should have the skin of one. Say goodbye to dry and cracked skin with Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash with Vitamin B3. Made for 24-7 renewing moisturization with daily use. With scents of vanilla and shea, people will think you've taken up candle making as one of your hobbies. And there is nothing wrong with that. Old Spice Super Hydration Body Wash. Shop Old Spice now. All right, it's time for reasons why our weekly breakdown. I don't know why I do the old Monday Night Football theme, I guess the current one, before big segment, but I'm excited about this one. Um, okay, so it's Broncos and Ravens. One of the more interesting games of the week because there was a lot of Broncos hype. We were starting to wonder if we should pay attention to them. Teddy Bridgewater had some of the best stats in the league. He didn't finish the game. Uh, what did you see and what were your big takeaways, Stephen Ruiz? Uh, I think my big takeaway was that first half from Teddy. We don't know when Teddy's yeah. going to come back. No. But I think that kind of showed the ceiling on this Broncos offense. The Ravens played a lot of man coverage. They blitzed a lot, as they are wont to do. And Teddy just couldn't make plays. And that's yeah. I think that's what teams are going to do going forward. If you play man coverage, you force the quarterback to make plays and make throws into tight windows. Teddy didn't want to do it. Drew Locke, I don't even think he he could do it if he wanted to. Aye, so aye. I think this game, I know it, there's no shame in losing to the Ravens and losing to Lamar Jackson when he's playing as well as he did. But I do, I would have concern if I was a Broncos fan coming from this game. So he's out with the concussion. Again, we don't know when he's going to be back. Uh, is this Broncos team good, Steven? 
it is a good team. It's good around its quarterback. And when Teddy Bridgewater is in there and not playing a defense as aggressive as the Ravens, I think it is a um, like a, a good team, not quite a great team. But with Drew Locke in there, I I just don't see. I don't even know if this is a playoff team. And I, I wonder how long he's going to have to play. Uh, I Spoiler alert, it is not a playoff team with Drew Locke. Like I, let me answer that for you. Let me step in right now and tell you that. Um, Nora, handicap the AFC West for me because the Kansas City Chiefs are 2-2 two and two after four weeks and the two teams leading the division, one of them being the Broncos, the Raiders play tomorrow night, uh, are less talented. Help me handicap that race. So the Broncos are the worst team in the division. Yes, that's what I was looking for. Yes. But that's not that's not that spicy. Like the other three teams are okay. Two of them are very good. The Chiefs and the Chargers are very good. And the Raiders are. It's a little tough given the division, but they are a a playoff caliber team, right? They're a team with a good offense and a stable Mm -hmm. defense. I don't think that you can say the problem with the Broncos is that they're a team with a stable defense. I think particularly one of the biggest things for them is how good Von Miller's looked so far this season. But they're a team with a stable defense and a just sort of pretty good, okay offense, depending on who's playing quarterback, which is now a a question, right? And probably not a long-term question, but we don't know. And I don't think... Like you're you're playing with one hand behind your back, basically, mm-hmm. especially in this division and just in the modern NFL when you're more reliant on defense and offense. And I would say because I trust the other three offenses in this division, somewhere between more and way more, they're number four. There's no shame in that though. These are good teams. Uh, I think there's shame in being worse than the Raiders. Why do we trust the Raiders? I do this every. I feel like we do this every year. The Raiders are a playoff team in October, and then by November they are no longer a playoff team. I I think that there's not a. I don't think there's a lot of evidence that either of these teams are very good, but I certainly wouldn't confidently predict that the the Raiders are any better than the Broncos. I think the Raiders are getting better quarterback play. I agree. I would agree with that. But that's. I think the Raiders' defense is fake, though. I think what we've seen out of it so far. I don't think we're going to get this high level. I don't, well, I don't know that those two things mean the same thing, right? Yeah, like they've had fair. some really superlative play for the first month of the season, but I do, I do think that that thing is like stable in a way that it has not been in seasons past when they've gotten out to a good start and then fallen off a cliff. I tend to agree with that. Um, Steven, who's, be- who's going to win this division? Oh, the Chiefs are going to win it. I, I feel like we yes. discounted how insane Patrick Mahomes has been this year. Like, he's on pace to do better than his 2018 and season when he cares. threw, like, 50 Absolutely touchdowns. No one cares. cares. No one cares. He threw five touchdowns. He threw two t- one touchdown underhanded. He threw one shovel touchdown. He threw one sidearmed. He threw one fadeaway. And he didn't even get a video on the NFL's YouTube page. He didn't get a highlight video. That, you know who did? Is, Daniel Jones. Is that, I think, is that, is I do that think the there are now? some YouTube clips of Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. If you wanna, He's out there. If you want to find some. No, but the NFL didn't give him his own highlight video know, today. And, and they wow. gave wow. Daniel Jones one. What, can't he get one? Can't DJ get one? Danny Dimes. Can we give him one YouTube video? Exactly one. Daniel no, Jones didn't turn one. the ball over. It's like a supernova. Exactly. That's true. Um, a, a supercut of him just not dropping the football just every time he gets, he gets touched. <laughs> hey, uh, let's talk about the Mark Ravens Andrews. here for a second. Yeah, hey, uh, let's talk about the Ravens here for a second. Uh, all the way back. Uh, 
no, because their run game still isn't back to where it was in 2019. And that's why I thought this performance by Lamar was so impressive because you're going against Fangio, who's known as this defensive wizard, and he totally shut down the run game. Lamar only ran six times himself, and he still had one of his more efficient games by EPA yeah. passing the ball. He did miss a few throws, which may, I, I mean, I'm even more encouraged because it wasn't his best game, but he still produced like a top quarterback, which I think he is. Can I talk about uh, Drew Locke? I just want to talk about Drew Locke. I, I, I mean, sure. Because I want to I want to yell at the people who in August, when they made this decision to go with Teddy Bridgewater, who said, oh, this is boring. Drew Locke's the more entertaining. What's entertaining about Drew Locke? Have, have any of these people actually watched Drew Locke play? Because I think the idea of Drew Locke, this gunslinger who throws the ball downfield, makes dumb decisions sometimes. He's kind of like James. That's not actually who he is. He's a guy that, who gets the snap, gets happy feet in the pocket, takes a sack, or throws an in, inaccurate pass. The, they didn't cross midfield for like his first four drives. There was nothing fun about this. Teddy Bridgewater is a more fun quarterback, and Teddy Bridgewater is one of the more boring quarterbacks in the league. Has any player in professional sports ever benefited more from being caught on camera rapping for like eight seconds than Drew Locke? No, no. I feel like <laughs> y- Young Jeezy has done, he's done a more lot for, for Drew Locke and Jay Billis. Career. I feel like Jay Billis and, and Drew Locke should be like connected somehow because they're both feeding off the power of Young Jeezy. Jay Billis does it by tweeting out Young Jeezy lyrics. Drew well, Locke does okay. it by who's, masking who's done, his bad play with rapping. Who's done more for Drew Locke, Young Jeezy or Cortland Sutton? Oh, Young Jeezy. Cortland Sutton hasn't actually like helped Drew Locke done because that Drew Locke is a terrible Locke, yeah. quarterback. I do want to say when I pitched this segment, I, I did outline whether or not uh, Young Jeezy or Cortland Sutton had a bigger impact on the Broncos. That was what the arguments we were trying to get into. I'm worried that this take is going to be, you know, it's going to be all over all the podcasts. First take tomorrow. One could argue that Young Jeezy actually set back the Broncos franchise by coming out with that song. Drew Locke learned it, learned the lyrics, uh, lip synced it. And now everyone thought he was like a decent quarterback and they didn't draft Justin Fields because of it. This is the this has been the re- that's the number one reason. <laughs> Folks can't get that analysis anywhere else. Anything else in this game that we need to know, Steve? Uh, no, it's the Ravens receiving core is still bad and still conspiring against Lamar Jackson. I swear Lamar Jackson would be a top five passer, which is the normal receiving core. But these guys, every third down, they <laughs> go out of their way to drop passes. They're leaving Hollywood Brown open like Rondo with a three point line. They're just like, he can't hurt us if he's 20 yards behind us. It's all good, man. He weighs 140 pounds. Like we don't need to be concerned. Steve Ruiz. We'll see you next week, buddy. Thanks for having me. Oh, such a clutch pickup, Dave. I was worried we'd bring back the same team. I meant those blackout motorized shades. Blinds.com made it crazy affordable to replace our old blinds. Hard to install? No, it's easy. I installed these and then got some for my mom, too. She talked to a design consultant for free and scheduled a professional measure and install. Hall of Fame son. They're the number one online retailer of custom window coverings in the world. Blinds.com is the GOAT. The GOAT. Go to Blinds.com for 40% off site-wide. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. All right. Listener question. I have the big question, and then I have two separate ones. I'm going to ask the fake questions first. Number one, who would you want? This is from Sam Bart. Who would you want to be a Rodney Harrison-style umbrella holder? You, Kevin. I thought that. That would be the most efficient thing, is we hold it. One of us is on television. The other person holds the other's umbrella. Yeah. Which would be, 
That'd be nice. I think we'd That's make what, a great team. I, think that, I agree with I agree with that. That's called true friendship. Uh, Alan asks, why aren't so he, he I had earlier tweeted the same thing I said earlier in this podcast about maybe Kellen Moore should just be the coach of the Cowboys and we should not let you know we we as a, a league should not let a smart offensive coordinator out the door, whether that's Kyle Shanahan, whether that's Kellen Moore, whether that's a couple of other instances, you know, where we say, oh, we're going to keep this guy. And then the offensive coordinator goes somewhere else and and balls out. Kevin Stefanski might end up being one day another example of that. Uh, why aren't more NFL front offices willing to promote the smarter guy? Uh, probably because that's the way they've always done it. And that's how most NFL teams uh, make decisions. Yeah, that's about right. Yeah. I mean, I I just always encourage people the NFL, yes, there's a lot of money being thrown around. It's a workplace. Think about yep. your own workplaces. You know, maybe you think some things get chosen the right way. Some things don't. I think there's a lot of institutions in, in Los Estados Unidos where, you know, there's some questionable stuff. People don't always make the right call. I will say this. That's one of the best points you can make is that it's a workplace and think about your own workplace because I hear these stories sometimes about some random team. This has nothing to do with this question at hand. And it'll, just, it'll be like, Oh, this guy, you know, like hasn't shown up to work. It was like this, this linebackers coach actually just like wasn't around for two weeks. And it's like, uh, okay. But then you remember, it's like, it's just a weird place and they make decisions. I'm, I'm speaking in generalities. I'm just saying the, these sort of places can be incredibly screwed up sometimes because sometimes workplaces are screwed up. It's also like, honestly, take your own workplace and then have like eight people come in and, and ask some of the decision makers questions like four times yeah. a week and just put it all on television. Like, yeah, we get Twitter DMs. Scene. We get Twitter DMs being like, are you ready to apologize for your take? No, not really. Um, all right. This is the real question. It's from a guy who his handle is uh, his display name is Russian bot, which is a pretty good bit. But his handle is Drew M. Uh, when do we start asking hard questions about the Dolphin shaky rebuild? This is a very, very good question. Um, you and I have both been in the camp that the Dolphins were making really good strides. And now they're not. Now, Jacoby Brissett is the quarterback. Tua has been hurt the last couple of weeks. He's on injured reserve. Eventually, he'll come back. Uh, but the last three weeks uh, after the win against the Patriots on September 12th, they've lost to the Bills by 35 points, lost to the Raiders by three points, and then today lost to the Colts by 10 points. Are you worried? Yeah, I'm worried. Me too. Me too. Because I think the process has had to do with the collection of high value draft capital, right? Which is great. That's great process. I don't, I don't think there's any question about that. I still believe in, in the choices they've made to accrue all that stuff, but then, okay. So let's go from 2019. Um, they take Christian Wilkins, then 2020 Tua, Austin Jackson, Noah Igbenogany. Then this year, Waddle, Jalen Phillips. We'll see how many of those guys turn into blue chippers. Obviously, they've still got got picks to make. The biggest thing is the quarterback, right? Because if you don't get it right there, they can take another swing because they're not done with those picks. But it just doesn't feel yet like they are hitting on blue chip guys. And good process is good process. We commend it. But if you don't turn it into good results, I mean, it's it's a moral victory. 
ultimately. I don't think it's that they're doing it's barely things even that. Like a moral victory, at least, at least with the moral victory, you can spin it forward and say, okay, we we have something to to build on. Like if you just do, if you don't start winning games, eventually, sometimes down the road, you get fired and you just don't have right. anything to show for. I mean, like the quarterback. So here, here's the funny thing about it, Nora, is like. Everyone's like, oh, well, this shows you what happens. You can do everything right, but you don't have the quarterback. Well, they actually haven't even done everything right. Like they've done more good things than bad, and they've played the process right. But they, some of the draft picks have been shaky. And then the big question, obviously, is the quarterback. I think, and you're starting to see some of the South Florida media now kind of make the declaration, oh, oh they, they shouldn't have drafted Tua. They should have drafted Justin Herbert. Uh, I didn't see much of a path for Tua to be better than Justin Herbert in 2021. Um, yeah. I thought that, that that was pretty much settled going into this year. And now when you look at Herbert throwing perfect passes every time he drops back versus Tua who can't stay healthy even when he's on the field, they have to make certain concessions for him and all that stuff. Uh, it's not looking good. Can you win with Tua? Sure. But you have to have everything else go right. And I just don't think they're the type of roster right now, the type of team, the type of offensive coordinator. I mean, I think you saw some of the South Florida media is really getting mad at the dual offensive coordinator situation. And as much as I can joke right. about about Godsey and, and the, you know, the sanctity of ACC football in their mid 2000s like that, that's not that's not a thing right now. This is pretty bad. And I don't necessarily think you can. I, I think the Dolphins are in part a victim of how good things looked a couple of years ago where they looked completely lost against the Ravens in September of 2019. And then they started to get better and better and better. One games they shouldn't have um, beat the Eagles, beat the Patriots at one point. And then people said, Oh, this is happening right now. And maybe the timeline was longer than we thought. I'm, I'm of the theory that, you know, rebuilds can't even take that long because of just how a injuries be how rookie contracts work, all that stuff. But uh, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the Dolphins right now. I'm disappointed. They have the Bucks next week. They have a loser leaves town game against the Jaguars on October 17th. And let me make be clear. I don't mean like, you know, obviously neither of those teams are gonna make the playoffs, but whoever loses that game, um, I'm just never speaking about ever again. We'll see. Isaiah, can we keep Is that, that game tape? in London? Is that game in London? It's a 9.30 a.m. game. We're shipping got- Jaguars Dolphins to London. <laughs> Grow the game. Are you joking? Wow. Maybe we should do like a little, Herb. little, little sort of breakfast at Wimbledon kind of situation. This is Ur- Urban's only way forward as he stays in England and tries to do a Ted Lasso shtick with like Charles. Can I, can I give you, can I give you some spice here? Is it that Urban would be a terrible Ted Lasso? Um, I think Urban's like the, the opposite of Ted Lasso, but on the Dolphins, remember when Remember when Gruden and the Raiders won that Sloan Award for the Khalil Mack trade because they got so much draft capital for it? And then Gruden tried to trade for Khalil Mack again? <laughs> yeah, because they didn't pick good players. Yeah. The Dolphins are kind of having that situation, but just yeah. with like much better PR and better reputation. <laughs> so it's like taking longer for them to get called out for it. But like, by the way, the Dolphins were good last year. Let's no, not the Dolphins are like. This is also like, so, okay, hold on a second. The Dolphins are pretty well run. There are smart, good people in charge there. I think what's important here is like football is a very random game. Draft selection in particular as an element of football is a very, very, very random game. Like I was pretty, I I was probably more skeptical of Tua than most. And like, 
that was not because I saw things or knew things that other people didn't. It was just because the thing that I kept thinking about was like a lot of, yes, it's one thing to say like this guy was one of the best college quarterbacks I've ever seen. These things go wrong in the NFL like all the time. And there's a real tendency to kind of like we take the outcomes and then try to find patterns that fit the outcomes that have happened because it it makes us happy and it makes us feel like we understand stuff. It's entirely possible that like a good regime can be in place running a team, screw up a bunch of high draft picks, and then all mm-hmm. of a sudden it kind of resets the direction of the franchise. I know it's a little late here and I'm getting a bit fatalistic about this, but like that can happen and it can be not an indictment of of the people who were involved in such a clear way as it seems. That's all I'm saying. But it's just like, I don't know that you're sure. getting another Laramie Tunsil trade situation as a bailout if this doesn't, you know, if, if they don't start to get some results from those people. Now, by the way, those players are really young. You can't even do a Laramie Tunsil situation because the timeline doesn't match up anymore. Like you only get a small window where you can do that necessarily. I mean, you can do the Patriots long game thing where you're trading Chandler Jones when he gets expensive and that sort of thing. Right. But you also you, you have need to be, to be you have to be good a, at some point. You have to be, yeah. yeah, exactly. A position of strength, which they don't have right now. Um, yeah, I mean, I one one or two mistakes can doom a process. We've seen that in the past. Uh, anything else, buddy? This was really fun. This was like a, 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 this week of football. I mean, there were some very good games here, but it gave me next week. The slate doesn't look like all that appetizing, but today gave me hope that it'll end up being sneaky spicy. Cause like the games were just fun today. It's my birthday next Sunday. Kevin. So it's going to be big. It's going to be big for me. It's going to be, we're uh, going to have a party. It's going to be uh bucks. Bucks Dolphins in, in, in anticipation of the, the London game. So it'll be very good. All right. Uh, this has been the We're Gonna Fellowship and the Ringer Podcast Network. Next up on this feed is Tuesday, Ryan Chazier, James Jones, and Jason Goff. Jason is the host of The Full Go, our new Chicago podcast. I'll be back on Wednesday to talk about a big picture NFL topic. I believe in the middle of this podcast, I decided it was going to be on the Cowboys and barring any unforeseen circumstances, it will be. Uh, Nora will be back on Thursday with Mallory. Do you know what you're going to talk about? Panthers. Panthers. Friday show. Friday show. Ben and Steven alongside my buddy Kalen Jones previewing week five action. Uh, also, Kalen Jones uh, has a number of really good features that you should check out. He's been killing it lately. Uh, this show will be back next Sunday and every Sunday breaking down all the Sunday action for the entire NFL season. Uh, Slow News Day has a beloved media figure on this week that I'm really, really, really excited about going to break out the quarter zip for that one uh thank you to nora ben and steven thank you to production assistant isaiah blakely for production on this episode with additional production supervision by arjuna ramkabal he's been the ringer nfl show on the ringer podcast network